Morning, everybody. Welcome to LifeBridge. Thanks for joining us. If you're coming in still, it's all good. Keep coming. Uh, church is what we're doing. <laughs> Sorry, I almost just did a Bevan line. Like, we're here. Well, this is church. This is great. And then I started rethinking that. Um, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Um, church is about more than just gathering here together, even on Sunday morning, which is a huge part of church, but it's just part of it. At church, what we do is we find purpose beyond ourselves. We, On Sunday morning, at least, we reflect more on what who God is, on our purpose in life, on those big block things in life. And church, a regular rhythm of church attendance on Sunday, it really helps us to look beyond ourselves, to look to God, and to look to loving and serving other people. So church is a big part of that, finding purpose, finding meaning beyond ourselves. Welcome. Thank you for joining us here. Uh, next, My Life Bridge. If you need more information about what's going on here at LifeBridge, this is the place to find all of that, is at mylifebridge.church. You can find upcoming events. You can sign up for text and email updates there so that when new things do happen and we do have to make changes, you can stay in the loop with what's going on. Giving, thank you for those of you who give to support uh, the mission here at LifeBridge, as the video just said. Thank you for your generosity. Jesus told us that it is better to give than to receive. And we here at LifeBridge, we think Jesus really knows what he's talking about. So we kind of trust what he says. Um, so Jesus told us that that is the better way to live. The better way to be human is to give and to be generous. So we trust that Jesus, again, knows what he's talking about. You can give in a lot of different ways. You can give online, you can give through Venmo, or the giving boxes on either end of the hallway outside of the sanctuary. All right, one quick announcement of what's coming up starting June 19th through July 11th, so after our conference week. We're going to be doing church outside for a little while, and we're going to go to one service at 10 a.m., and we're at, uh, we have had so many conversations about how to pronounce this park. Wemhoff Yucker. I think that's it. All right. I'm pretty sure that's it. Uh, <laughs> this is a different park than the park we have been at before. Okay. So if you came to Park Church last year, this is a different park. This one is, uh, it's over by the river. I guess the other one was too. That doesn't help. Look it up. Google it. Okay. You got that map thing. That'll tell you what to do. <clears throat> Um, and <laughs> so just look, you might have to take a like, picture of that so you know how to spell Wim Hof Yucker when you start looking it up. What's it by? I don't even know how to describe what it's by. Yes, where we did the 5K before, if you remember that. Um, what's the name of that park across the street? Water? Something? Water? Riverfront. Riverside. Something like that. Whatever. You'll figure it out. Type it into Google. Google's pretty smart. Um, so if you can, remember to bring lawn chairs, and then we're doing a picnic afterwards. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll send out more information about food to bring and stuff like that. Uh, LifeBridge will provide some of it, and, and we'll ask you to bring something. So we'll figure that out and send you some texts and emails on that later. But mark your calendars, June 19th through July 11th. We will be outside one service at Wemhoff Yucker Park. Deal? It's up there, Bill. Yeah. Sign up for text and email updates, man. You'll, you'll get those. <laughs> Check your email. <laughs> All right. And then the, today is the beginning of our Pursuit Conference where we spend a week of focused growth. So we keep our calendar pretty bare throughout 
the, the, our regular campaign rhythm, but then with, for one week, we spend a week of intentional, focused growth where we encourage you to come to a lot of what's going on here at LifeBridge. So our conference schedule for this week, Tuesday and Thursday, uh, we have courses at 6 and 7.30. We do Ownership 101 is what we call it, where we talk about making your faith your own. We've doing th been doing this every campaign, uh, and it's just a big picture course of the gospel. It's like this first step of what is the gospel? What's my story? What's God's story? How do we piece all of this together and understand how to describe and articulate the gospel? And then this campaign, we're doing another course called Leadership 101. And as John said, this isn't just going to be a bunch of uh, John Maxwell quotes about general leadership stuff. This is much more a course on how to be a leader here at LifeBridge. And here's what we're looking for leadership and what leadership means here at LifeBridge. So uh, it's going to be more focused on uh, leadership within our church context here. And then on Wednesday, 6 to 7.30, we're doing Soul Care Night. Soul Care Night, uh, we're going to be focusing on identity. And at Soul Care Night, we just spend time gathering around round tables, have a meal together, conversation at the tables, and then we praise and worship together for a time and spend a lot of unstructured time praying with each other. It looks different a little bit each time. But we're going to be talking about identity, which really ties in well with our Pursuit Conference. With that, I want to invite up our guest speaker for today. Uh, our guest speaker is Steve Jensen. Uh, Steve has worked in finance for uh, 18 years. Come on up, Steve. And uh, I thought it would be great to hear from Steve on uh, generosity, uh, especially as we're talking about pursuit, healthy personal growth in a self-absorbed world. How we handle our finances and generosity is absolutely vital. So would you guys welcome Steve? Great. Thanks, John. <laughs> Yeah, good to be here with you this morning. <clears throat> uh, we're talking about money, uh, and I saw on the website, we're talking about the intersection of faith and finance. And uh, those two things really do intersect. Uh, this thing here and this here have a lot to do with each other. This, what's inside my wallet, expresses who I am on a day-to-day -day basis when it comes to, to my faith. And so I think it's a really relevant topic for us this morning as we're talking about personal growth. So let me begin, first of all, by kind of gathering us together uh, with the Lord in, uh, in a time of prayer, shall we? Uh, Father, it's, it's good to be here this morning, uh, to be with you, to be with your people, and to, to open up your word. Uh, guide us, Father, teach us that we may know your heart on this matter. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna begin uh, our time today talking about faith and finance in America. And first, we'll begin with finance. Uh, as you might guess, America uh, is a fairly wealthy country. Uh, in fact, our net worth as a country, the individuals, is $126 trillion. That's a lot of money, that's a lot of zeros. Uh, if you wanted to do the math, you could divide you know, 335 million people into $216 trillion and figure out what each individual's net worth is in our country. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of money out there uh, that we've seen, and actu actually it's um, twice the net worth of the entire continent of Europe. Uh, it's about 15% more wealth than, um, or almost double the size of China, which is the next uh, wealthiest country. But at the same time, we also have a lot of debt. 
the average debt per, per, per household in the year 2000, adjusted for inflation, was $77,000. Um, now it's up to $155,000. So while we're, we've got a lot of money, but we also have uh, quite a bit of debt. Uh, we're also, as a nation, when we look at our giving, our charity, we're a fairly generous country. Uh, we're in the top 10. Um, we've given, in 2020, we gave $459 billion to charity. That was up 2% from the year before. Uh, even during COVID, people were giving. Um, but it's changed over the years, our, our giving patterns. During the Great Depression, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, um, they gave 3.3% of their income to charity. Now we're down to 2.2%. So from a percentage standpoint, we're not doing as well as previous generations. Another interesting thing about giving in America is if, you, if someone makes less than $20,000 per year, they're eight times more likely to give to charity than someone making over $75,000 a year. Less money, more giving. Average offering in a Protestant church is $17 per week. 37% of churchgoers, including evangelicals, do not give any money at all to church. About 5% of churchgoers tithe, and it said that if everybody actually tithed, uh, there would be an extra $165 billion available each year for, for ministry in America. So we're a wealthy place. We're a place of getting into debt, but we're also, from a faith standpoint, a giving place, but maybe not as giving as we think we are or should be. That's what it's like in America from a financial standpoint. But how do we feel about all of this? How, how are we doing emotionally as a country? Well, here's some statistics. All these, by the way, are from Pew Research and also from Barna Research. 44% of people surveyed say money is the number one cause of stress. 36% of divorces cited financial difficulties as the number one reason. 41% of people worry about saving for, saving for retirement, and 46% of those who are already retired worry about outliving their savings. And 25% of older adults feel that they will never be able to pay off their debt. So we're a wealthy country. We're somewhat of a giving country, but we're a worried country. We think about money. We get anxious about money. What are we going to do next? What am I going to do in the, in the future? That's who we are as individuals. And a lot of that, unfortunately, comes from values. Uh, back in my day, and those of you that are as old as I am, um, I'm a baby boomer. How many of you are baby boomers? Okay. We apologize to the rest of you for all of your neuroses. Uh, apparently, we caused them. Uh, uh, in our day, Francis Schaeffer was articulating uh, culture, I think, very well. And he said the values of Christian Americans is two things, personal peace and affluence. We wanted to make sure that we were okay, that nothing upset us, and that we had enough to do what we wanted to do. That value really hasn't changed. It's not named that way. It's named in a different way. Uh, and it's actually called, there's a terminology for it in this generation, it's called moralistic therapeutic deism. Uh, 
It was a survey that was done in the uh, University of North Carolina of 3,000 adolescents. And out of that came these features of the modern day values of adolescence. And I would say even beyond adolescence. And there are five things. Moralistic theory, theistic deism says that a God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. Second, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. The central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Fourth, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. And five, goodwill, good people go to heaven when they die. That's the prevailing value and belief about how the world operates. And yet in the midst of all of that, there's a lot of confusion. Things aren't going well. And of course, in the last, last couple of years, it's just seemed chaotic, hasn't it? You just sense that everyone's, everyone's mad, <laughs> not just unhappy and anxious, everyone's mad at each other. Um, I was born and raised in Japan, and I get to go back to Japan every once in a while. I haven't had a chance since COVID has come, but I land there and people aren't mad at each other. I like going there. It's peaceful. Not here, right? Everyone's mad and anxious. And we might say to the Lord, you know, well, Lord, you don't want us to be anxious, but you don't understand what life is like. I mean, we have to worry about, do I put money into a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA? You know, what cell phone plan do I get? I have to worry about Medicare supplement and whether I get an Advantage plan or a traditional supplemental plan. I have to worry about whether my identity is gonna get stolen. Jesus, I mean, what if you had your identity stolen, <laughs> right? You know, Jesus, did you really need five Gucci handbags? And how much did you spend at the salon, right? Th th those kinds of things, Lord, you just don't understand how complex life is. That's why we're anxious. <sighs> yeah. We gotta take a pause, right? We, we need to realize that this, this word, the person of Jesus Christ, knows about that. And he, he, wants, us, he wants us to actually not, not escape. Right? And I, sometimes I feel that way. I do feel like, just go up to the cabin up north, leave everything behind, take a car, my clothes, sit at the cabin, get in a boat, and fish, and wait until Jesus comes. We can't do that. Tomorrow, you have to get up, go to work, pay the bills, raise the kids, and live in this world in, in which seems so chaotic. So what I want to do this morning is to take us, take us on a little walk, and we're going to go here. This is actually the place where they believe the Sermon on the Mount took place. Well, Jesus took his disciples after seeing all the crowds, and he said, all right, guys, let's go for a walk. And uh, they went up to the top of this hill, and at the top of the hill, if they look back, here's the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is actually a lake. Uh, we're in lake country here. This lake, the Sea of Galilee, is about eight times the size of Lake Geneva. Um, it's smaller, uh, much smaller than uh, Lake Winnebago. Uh, but um, it's really central to to life in that area, and he takes them up to the top and he, and he talks with them. Now, now, we call it a sermon on the mount, 
that's just something that got, that got applied. It's, you know, he didn't, doesn't really give a sermon in this case. He probably, like most rabbis, would sit down and have this conversation. And that's what I want to do with you this morning, is to have this conversation from his perspective. And we're going to divide this into th- three sections. Um, the first section is talking about finances in this life. And then we're going to take a pause and listen to Jesus' words. And then we're going to look at what are the four signs of a healthy outlook on finances from God's perspective. So we're going to begin with what I would call the fundamental things of life, the proverbial things. Proverbial comes from Proverbs. These are things, are foundational financial principles that you'll find in life, in Scripture. Um, And... uh, Call them practical things. It's all practical, (laughs) but you would consider them to be practical. Uh, And we're going to start with something that you can actually do this afternoon. Uh, Foundational to your financial life is, first of all, knowing what you have. Okay. So what I'm going to ask you to do today is to think about being a CPA, not a certified public accountant, but you're going to be you're going to count. You're going to plan, and you're going to take action, CPA. So what you're going to do this afternoon is you're going to count, first of all, what it is that you own, and you're going to make a list of things that you own. Your bank account, savings, retirement account, house, car, whatever it is. You're going to put that on on a piece of paper on one side. On the right side, you're going to write down what you owe. Mortgage, car loan, student loan, credit card debt, and you're going to do the math. And you're going to subtract what you owe from what you own. And if you have a positive number, that's a good thing. If you have a negative number, that's not a good thing. Right? There's something that you're going to need to work on. The next thing that you're going to count is you're going to write down how much you earn. That is how much you take home from your, in your paycheck and how much you spend. And you're going to do the math. And if it's a positive number, that's a good thing. You're saving, right? If it's a negative number, that's not a good thing. You know, stop, put on the brakes. There's some work to be doing. So that's the first thing that you're going to do is just simply identify, Lord, where am I? What do I own? And what do I owe? What do I earn? And what do I spend? The second thing that you're going to do is you're going to plan. Okay, and this is where you begin with things like a budget. You sit down and say, okay, if we are earning this and we are spending this, what does that look like? What am I spending it on? And start to write it down. There's one couple that I counseled, and um, they, they went home and did their homework, and they came back to me, and they showed me, yeah, here's our utilities bills, here are our phone bills, et cetera. And, and our last item was Walmart. Uh, no, you've got to go back and do your homework. I, I, we need to know what's in Walmart. That's not a budget item, right? Even though that's where you might spend your money. Uh, but you, you work out a plan for what you're doing and what you're spending and what you're earning. Uh, you're also then going to work out a plan for how can we save. Uh, in Proverbs, talks about look at the ant. The ant saves up. And look at the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> Be like the ant. Plan ahead. You need to be planning ahead for realities of life that will come down the pike. If the Lord doesn't take you home, you're going to have to live off of savings um, if you're not going to be working. 
Uh, after you've done the planning for those kinds of things, you also have to plan for what might happen today. Uh, quite honestly, death is a day-to-day -day problem, isn't it? We don't know what our time is. We do know that we will die on time. <laughs> well, if that happens to be today, what responsibilities do you have? Do you have a will? About 60% of the people in America don't have a will. If you're a single parent especially, you need to think about that. What would happen if I passed away financially with my kids and uh, where, who would they be with? So you need to be thinking about that. You uh, need to be thinking about, again, what happens if I'm not working? Do I plan for that? Do I plan on having anything available if something were to happen to me and I'm a major breadwinner in a family? Do I have insurance that my spouse can use to live? That's a responsibility, and it doesn't take a lot. It takes one coffee, uh, coffee latte a week uh, to get a, a life insurance policy for, uh, uh, for a 35-year-old uh, male adult, and that would provide, provide about $500,000 worth of, of protection for income for the family. So those are the kinds of planning things to think about. Then lastly, just act. Now, if all of those things, I just gave you a really brief summary uh, many of you perhaps have gone through um, Dave Ramsey's courses or through uh, Larry Burkett's. Um, that's something that you can do here at the church. Um, and I would encourage you, if you do one of those things, that you take it all the way through to the end. But you'll find at the end of that course, of Dave Ramsey's course and others, is that it gives you a kingdom picture of generosity and not just how do I survive here on this planet. Now, why do I share those things? It doesn't sound like this doesn't sound like a Bible sermon, okay? That sounds like a financial seminar. Well, think of it this way. If someone came to me and said, you know, Steve, would you be praying for my health? I'm just really worried about it, and I'm even thinking about maybe I can share with other people how to be healthy. And, but I would say, dude, you smoke two packs of cigarettes a day, you drink like a fish, you're 150 pounds overweight, and you don't exercise, <laughs> You really want me to pray for you? Yeah, I'll pray for you, but I'm gonna be praying about some other things in your life. Or if you say, you know, I wanna to wanna to start personal evangelism, but honestly, you're a jerk. <laughs> your lifestyle does not represent anything that would someone would say, your life is like Christ. So th these are just, financially, these are just fundamental things that before you begin to grow, make sure that you have taken care of these proverbial, foundational, common sense things in life. Now we can go through all, you can do all of these things. I promise you, you could do all of those things and at the end of the day you might say, I'm still anxious. <laughs> you know, all this Dave Ramsey course has done is to make me feel stupid and incompetent about managing money. It's like, okay. That's all right, we need some humility, but now you also do need to be encouraged. And this is where Jesus sits down with his disciples. And I'm gonna ask you to turn in Matthew chapter six, and you'll find there in verse 25, after he has told them that you can't serve God and mammon, that is God and money, but mammon was a, a, a pronoun, it was a personal name uh, some refer to it as a, a Syrian or Chaldean god. Um, authors throughout uh, history and literature have referred to mammon as an individual, a spirit, 
uh, whether it's Milton or Dante and others. So there's this sense in which mammon becomes an idol for people, and Jesus said, you can't serve both. You serve God, you go one way. You serve money, you go another way. And after you've made that choice, if you have decided to serve God, this is what he says in verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. You choose to serve God, don't be anxious. It's settled. Your trust life is now settled if you decide to serve God. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And when he's sharing this with him, he's not sitting in a room like this. Remember, he's, he's up there. And he points to two things in nature to illustrate this. He points, first of all, to the birds. And he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, that area, um, the Sea of Galilee... You may not know this, but um, the largest migration of birds happens right over that spot in the world, okay? There are thousands of birds, species, as well as numbers of, of birds within the species that travel from south to north and back again over the Sea of Galilee. So when Jesus has pointed out the birds, he's not saying, oh, you see that little sparrow over there on the tree? <laughs> okay, he's like, look at the birds. <laughs> look, there's tons of these birds. God cares for every single one of these. And then when he points to the flowers, the lilies of the field, what he's not pointing to is this thing that you see on Easter Sunday is lined up at a church that looks like the, the plant from the little shop of horrors. It's okay, that's not, not that thing, which I think is an ugly looking flower personally. <laughs> the lilies of the field were these poppies. They were colorful, purple and red and they just covered the countryside. I mean, that the whole hillside would have been covered with these lilies. And he, he said, look at this. How gorgeous these are. And God cares for them. I don't want you to be anxious. And he said, well, okay, you can say that, right? Don't be anxious. Now let me go on my way. But our anxiety and our sense of the future needs to be tied to the entire work of God, to all of creation, to understand what he has provided for us in creation and what he has provided for us on the cross. There was a client, a husband and wife, that came to me one time, and it was during the, the crash of 08 and 09, and they sat down across from me at the table, and, and Hank was just stressed. I mean, he was worried about his money going from here down to here, and what was going to happen in the future, and I just could not seem to encourage him, so finally I said, Hank, are you a believer? He said, yes, and I knew that he was. I said, well, let me ask you, what do you think was harder or a bigger deal for God? To take care of you in retirement or to save your soul? And he looked at me, and his wife looked at him, <laughs> gave that kind of that elbow with her eyes, and he said, well, yeah, I guess saving me was a bigger deal. I said, yeah, it was. If God is gonna save you and has saved you, do you think do you just think he might take care of you in your retirement? 
He does. We imagine that our standard of living and the way things are right now is what defines our place in the kingdom. That our comfort level, that our car, our house, our apartment, our clothes, our vacations, all of this is our relationship with God. And it's not. And if you want to do a healthy exercise mentally, just sit down one time and strip away everything that you have and say, what would my life be like if I didn't have this, if I didn't have that? And I suspect if you have any kind of relationship with the Lord, you would say, you know what? I guess I'd be okay. And I know you would. I know you would. And there are things about your life that God wants to see grow in you. Four characteristics that define what we would say is financial health with regards to the kingdom. And they're in different scripture passages. Uh, The first one, the first feature, the first thing that characterizes a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is this idea of contentment. And you know Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians and, and he says, I learned how to be content. And I suspect he went through this exercise because he had been, he says, I, I, I've had abundance and I've had lack. I've had with and I've had without. And I've learned the secret and the secret was just written right there in verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hebrews 13.5, I think it's just a, a great verse that talks about this contentment. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And there are, there are people that know that, that have far less than you do. When I work with Johnny and a friend, it's a ministry. It's a, uh, Johnny Erickson Tata is a quadriplegic who has a ministry. And one of the ministries was to take old wheelchairs, refurbish them at prisons, take them to the other uh, countries with occupational therapists and physical therapists, and take those with churches and minister to people with disabilities. And one of the evenings, they took the team uh, to a section of Ghana uh, where people with disabilities lived, uh, they would leave there during the day, do some begging, go throughout the city, but they would come back to this place at night, pitch black. Many of them lived in cardboard boxes uh, or in tin shacks. And as the team went with flashlights into this area, they heard singing. Not just one person singing, but a whole host of people singing singing, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. People without anything, trusting Jesus and content, certainly wanting more than what they had, but content where they were. So that's the first characteristic. The second one is to express Gratefulness. If you are a believer who is trusting God in your finances, you are thankful for what you have, and you express that thankfulness. If you're wealthy, you better be thanking the Lord 
for what he has provided. If you don't have anything, you're still going to be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Philippians 4.6, uh, Colossians um, is a good one as well. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. In all things, we're to be giving thanks. When we are content, naturally, we're going to be thankful. And that expression of thankfulness doesn't need to be just a silent one. It can be an out loud thankfulness. Are you thankful for what Lord provides in front of your kids? And do you say that in front of the kids so that they learn this vocalization of your thankfulness? Thirdly, a person who has, is growing is one who is generous. 1 Timothy 6, 18 they are to do good, talking about people who are wealthy, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Then, of course, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15, a whole passage on generosity that Paul brings out to say, this is who we are, this is who you are to be. Generosity just breeds faith in other people. It allows the Lord to do things in the kingdom that would otherwise not happen, and it does indeed bring cheer to you. I'll share just a brief story about something that I experienced when I was 21 years old. I was a counselor at a boys' camp, and at this boys' camp in the Adirondacks, Deerfoot Lodge, was a friend of mine. He, Craig and I became friends the year before as summer counselors, and at the end of the summer, we were talking. Uh, we called them the Woodies. Those were the little kids. They were in the cabin sleeping, and we were out sitting on a rock and just kind of reflecting on the summer and then looking ahead. And um, I said, so, you know, senior year, what's up with you? And he said, well, I'm not going to go back to school. I said, why not? I said, well, I, he said, I don't, I don't have enough money to finish out. Uh, Craig's was from a single mom family. He was paying for everything on his own, but just totally ran, ran out. Uh, had done summer camp as a counselor, even though we didn't make a lot of money, but just felt convinced, convicted that he, this is what he needed to do. So uh, next morning we got our paycheck and I just gave my paycheck uh, to Craig. It wasn't a lot of money, uh, but it was a lot more than what I had in the bank account. I had, actually, I had $112 in my bank account and I gave him my paycheck for the summer. It's like, Steve, you're being stupid, okay? Uh, don't you need that money? For, well, yeah, but Craig needed it more. And... Um, that was just one of those things that, that you do for friends. Years later, I was sharing the story. Craig, by the way, he got to finish school. Um, he went on to graduate school, uh, became a pastor, uh, actually a pastor of a large church, uh, ended up um, out in Colorado, um, doctorate, written books. He was the uh, chaplain for uh, InterVarsity's uh, Urban Urbana Conferences, so he would go down and be the chaplain. So he was able to go on in, in ministry life. Well, I was sharing this story at a fundraiser for, actually it was for Agape House. Many of you would know Agape House in Walworth. And I was just sharing this idea that when we, when we put, put it all on the table, to use the poker ter term, when we're all in, when the chips are all in, 
God does things in an amazing way. So afterwards, this guy came up to me and he said, "Um, are you talking about Craig Barnes? I said, yeah. He said, well, let me tell you a story about Craig. Now this is, you know, 25, 30 years later. He said, I started a ministry to African-American kids at risk in Madison, and I went to every single church, and none of the churches would support what I was doing, except I went to Craig's church, and he said, yeah, okay, let's get behind this. And then Craig took me around to all the other churches, and we raised money from all the other churches to get involved in this ministry. And then my wife became seriously ill in the hospital, and Craig, who was not my pastor, came, came to visit me. So here, 30 years later, the stupid act of a 21-year-old, the stupid, generous act of a 21-year-old came back to find out more and more about Craig. Craig went on. I ended up becoming the head of the Evangelical Fellowship for the uh, uh, Presbyterian Church, president of of Princeton Seminary, sharing the gospel with people, wanting to articulate biblical sound uh, doctrine to the next generation. All of that just from the simple story of a, of a generous 21-year-old who, who gave it all. Th- that expresses the heart of Jesus. That expresses the heart of a person who grows. Now, what's the motivation for all of this? And, and John has been talking about this. Um, this is all a part of the kingdom. Jesus, if we go back to uh, chapter 6 of Matthew Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all this will be added unto you. What's your motivation for getting your financial house in order? What's your motivation for being generous? What's your motivation for being content and articulating a spirit of thankfulness? It's the kingdom. And we're not just talking about, well, should I become a pastor, or should I become a missionary, a full-time Christian worker? Or should I support a missionary? Or should I give my tithe? No, it's every decision that we make. How does this relate to the kingdom? This choice that I'm gonna make to buy this car or that house or to live in this place or to do that job, what does this have to do with the kingdom? Am I gonna spend money on this or am I gonna spend money on that? How much will I pay for this? How might this money be used for the kingdom rather than for myself? And how does all of this that has been given to me relate to my brothers and sisters in the church? In America, we're a fairly private um, species when it comes to money, right? I'm responsible for my part of the kingdom. You do your part of the kingdom, and we'll just see how things turn out. That's not what the church is. The church is about me asking, what do you need? Do you need any help? And for the part of the person that needs the help, you know what? You have a responsibility. If you're financially in a hard spot, you need to say something to this brother. Don't take your credit card and go into more debt to make your life keep on going. That's not what the body of Christ is about either. That's not what the kingdom is like. The kingdom of Christ is about brothers and sisters advancing the kingdom together. So I would challenge you this morning. You've been up the hill. You've heard Jesus' words, not to be anxious. You've got a responsibility for sure. You're a steward. 
And we know what a healthy Christian looks like when it comes to the areas of contentment and gratefulness and generosity. But you know, there's one more hill that you have to climb. And not as many disciples climbed that hill with Jesus, and that was the hill of Golgotha. There's some sacrifice involved, isn't there? There's the cross. There's giving up our life. There's laying down our life. The things that we would choose to do, but for the sake of the kingdom, but for the sake of the cross, we give it to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we, we want to follow you. Father, we, we're going to set aside those things that makes, make us anxious. Now, we've gotten into a lot of trouble on our own, and that's why we're, many of us are anxious. And Father, get us out of that. Comfort our hearts. Encourage us. But then, Father, equip us to be following you, to be in your kingdom, and follow you to the cross. We lay it down today. In your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Before we go into a time of singing, I wanted to spend a minute in reflection on the idea of, of sacrifice and um, seeking the kingdom and thinking about when it comes to our finances and uh, our lifestyle, those things, what are the, what are the areas that we, uh, when we think about sacrifice, when we think about giving them up, what are the areas where we feel resistance, where we feel resistance in our heart, um, just as a, as a way of examining ourselves. So let's do that for a moment before we sing together. God, as we sing, Lord, um, would you be pleased by what's in our hearts, Lord, that we would be um, more fully surrendered to you, we pray. God, let us be a people and let this be a place where we seek after that. It's not just something we sing about it's not just something we give lip service to lord but when we leave here it remains the thing that we pursue it remains the thing that we desire above all other things is to see you high and lifted up esteemed and honored and glorified in our lives in our community because there's nothing like you jesus we love you we praise you and we thank you in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you guys have a wonderful week. Thanks so much for being here.